Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. And welcome to another hour dedicated to a fresh inquiry, exploring exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour devoted to learning something more about ourselves, an hour designed to help us integrate all of our knowledge and perhaps even challenge some of those ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour for the open-minded, willing to risk their foregone conclusions and perhaps discover an entirely new dimension in their thoughts and being. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Now, every week I read some of your letters as our way of respecting the very important role you have in helping us to make this show successful. Last week, our guest was Elaine Clayton, and we discussed deepening your intuitive and psychic knowledge by journaling with cards as you participate in a visual, artistic approach to creating spiritual intelligence. Deanne wrote, Eldon, it was a great show. All your shows are filled with a spirit of such kindness, respect, and intelligent conversation. It feels good in every way and keeps me thinking and coming back for more. Well, thank you, Deanne. We sincerely appreciate your feedback. Richard wrote, I look for real, and Elaine is real. Now, that's a compliment in my book. James wrote, outstanding show. Many thanks to our own magnificent Elaine. Now, if you visit our chat room, then you realize that Elaine is usually in the chat room with a number of other outstanding and gifted people, including James. So if you haven't yet joined the chat, please do so. You're in for a real treat. Okay, Mary Ellen wrote, thanks for bringing us another sterling show. Gail wrote, hi, I have your empowering intuition CD, and it's great. Porter wrote, I love InterTalk programs. I've been using them for years and have had incredible results. You guys are the best. Well, Porter, we never tire of hearing success stories like yours. Indeed, for me, every one of these stories becomes a warm fuzzy. And when I think about it, it reminds me that each of us can truly make a difference in someone's life if we but care to do so. Our guest today has made a difference in many lives, but we'll get to that in a minute. Lou wrote, thanks for your brilliant work. I'm looking forward to using your products to move my life from stagnation to vitality in order to share my gifts and to enjoy the rest of this lifetime. Well, thank you, Lou, and may you know the best in life. Julie wrote, thank you for all the free stuff. Very helpful and appreciated. Well, you're more than welcome, Julie, and I will use your letter to segue into a reminder to all of our listeners about our free programs. To get yours, simply go to intertalk, I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K dot com and choose free programs from the left-hand navigation pane. These are not samples. This is the real deal, the scientifically proven intertalk technology repeatedly demonstrated to be effective in multiple double-blind studies carried out by independent researchers at leading institutions such as Stanford. So there's no reason to wait. Go get yours today. While you're there, be sure to sign up for my free newsletter. Each, each issue features articles, humor, and from time to time, free items and special sales that are only available to our subscribers. So be sure to subscribe. Alexander wrote, hi, my name is Alex, and I am from Moscow, Russia. A few months ago, I bought Eldon Taylor's book, Mind Programming. It helps me to get a better understanding of the essence of human thought. I'm 20 years old, and I think that I sometimes rely on various factors which come from outside with an agenda. I truly believe that your book will help me, and it has already opened my eyes to many things. Well, thank you for your thoughtful note, Alexander. 
we uh, all are influenced daily by the 24-7 media cycle in what I think of as a mediaocracy environment that we live within. And everyone seems to have an agenda, something they want us to believe, buy, or vote for. You're wise to guard your mind and protect your thoughts and use the tools in my book to do so. Rhonda wrote, I'd love it if Eldon did a show on NLP specifically. Well, Rhonda, we pay close attention to your wishes, and your wish will happen. We have already reached out to Richard Bandler for just such a show. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Bandler is one of the fathers of NLP. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters, but I do invite you to opine by sending your email to Eldon at eldentaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. You can also just leave comments on my website. I do try to read all of your letters. Obviously, we can't get them all on the air, but they do impact our programming. I highly value your input, and I do encourage you to please provide your feedback. And once again, thank you for your continued support. Now to today's show, Growing Up in Heaven. We have had many guests discuss life after death, and we have investigated this premise via reincarnation, near-death experience, EVPs, mediumship, trans-channeling, and so forth. Our efforts have sometimes led us to awe, and sometimes we've been let down by hype. Today we're going to look at the entire matter through a different lens, that of the child. Think about it. Do children play together in heaven? Do children grow up in heaven? Is heaven a place like our hometown where we are more or less un, unchanged from the time we arrive throughout eternity? Or is heaven a state of consciousness that we experience that seems like a place until we recognize our true essence and then we move into some less corporal form? How do you see the other side? Do you think children from all walks of life, regardless of age or ethnicity, experience the same heaven? What about tiny infants? These children have no language except their cries. Do they suddenly gain language skills? Are they grown up when they get to the other side, or do they remain infants? Well, the answer to these questions are just a taste of what our guest today has knowledge of, based on his experience as a result of his mediumship abilities. I'm speaking, of course, of the world-famous medium, James Von Prague, and in his new book, Growing Up in Heaven, a book you are going to love, he brings to light the amazing journey of children who have passed from earth to heaven. James Von Prague is the New York Times bestselling author of Ghosts Among Us and Unfinished Business. And Unfinished Business is a fantastic book. I, I really love that book. Through the years, his message of hope has touched a great many more people due to his television appearances on such shows as Oprah, Larry King Live, Dr. Phil, The View, A&E Biography, 2020, 48 Hours, and on and on and on. His unique paranormal experiences during the past 25 years have led him to author best-selling books, conduct seminars to sold-out audiences worldwide, and produce several successful television shows. And, and I've got to tell you, Heaven Revealed, in, the, in this new book, Growing Up in Heaven, uh, Newsweek says this about uh, the book. Von Prague shows us how eager each of us is to find some measure of transcendence as we make our way through this world. He has changed people's lives, banished the fear of death, and brought grieving parents the solace of their dead children's presence. It is impossible not to be moved. And I've got to tell you, you will not read this book and not be moved. 
So let's get him in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. James Von Prague. Hi, Eldon. Thank you very, very much for the introduction. Very sweet of you. Very nice. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure indeed. I've looked forward to this show for some time. So. Yes, yeah, same here. I've read all your books, and I'm I'm one of your fans. Oh, I have to tell you, you that. So let, let's begin this way. You know, how about telling our audience a little bit about yourself and when you first discovered your mediumship abilities? Okay. I was a little boy, very much like the movie The Sixth Sense. I was probably around the age of three or four years of age when I would see lights and colors around people, now, of course, known as the aura, and I would see spirits around people. And I didn't think anything was strange or unique about that. I thought everybody, every child could see that way. I was measuring my my universe, if you will, by what I was seeing and my six senses. (laughs) And I thought everybody could uh, do this or see this and have this experience. And it wasn't until my mother said to me, "Uh, James, not many people can see those things, so you've got to be very careful who you tell that to. And that was probably then around the age of six or seven she said that. So ever since then, um, I've been seeing these spirits, and very loving spirits, and no negative spirits. Um, And probably around the age of 13, 14, it stopped. Didn't pay attention to it. It stopped very dramatically, and nothing happened. Until my early 20s, when I went to go see a medium uh, with a friend, uh, and I didn't really know about mediumship then. I didn't really have an uh, understanding of life after death. I was raised Catholic, and that was, I guess, my benchmark of life after death, of the heaven world, until I met this medium, and he looked at me and he said, uh, you are a medium yourself, and the spirit world has plans about you. You're going to help to change the consciousness of this planet. And I thought this man was crazy. Um, but I went out immediately and started uh, buying books on life after death and psychic phenomena. And I read as much as I could because there was something in these books which was very familiar to me. And I started meditating. I started a regular meditation uh, uh, exercise. And not a formal exercise, just really one by myself. And after about a week of meditation, I started seeing again the colors and lights around people and the spirit. And that was when I was 24. So now it's been 30 years now. So that's a, that's a small part of it. There we are. Wow. Yeah. You, you know, I've read your books, like I say, and, and for years I was an investigator, and I use psychics uh, on a number of different crimes. And the audience is aware of that. I've discussed that in the past. And so when the movie Talking to Heaven came along, I was particularly interested in the scene where you lead detectives to the children who were buried alive. Yes. Where and when did that happen or take place? And, sure. And did saving their lives, did that have anything to do with your new book? Uh, interesting. It, it didn't have anything to do with the new book because the new book was uh, recently written, and that movie was over, well, now it's about seven or eight years old. Um, uh-huh. That the, well, I used to work with the police years and years ago on kidnapping cases, and I didn't uh-huh. do this publicly. It was done privately. And I remember that the hardest thing for me was when I would see the person kill the child. And then, and I would say that over and over and over again. And um, for this movie, I met with the writer and I said, we should do something with children that, because I, I keep on seeing this. And, um, and I was also working on a story about Edgar Allan Poe. And he said, how about burying alive these children? And I said, well, that's interesting. And so that's where that came from. Um, and that whole scene in the lake and the swamp was really directly from a case that I worked on in New Orleans. 
Um, of course, Hollywood makes it much more dramatic, if you will. Yeah, but um, there was, it was based on a, uh, a couple of readings I've done, I did. And the first half of the show, of course, the movie is very, very biographical, very, very true to form. The second half is a little bit more Hollywood, a little bit more um, a story, uh, and a good story, I would say, a very good detective story, um, right. and worthy, worthy of a good viewing, I would say. But what they did, then, if I understand you, is they conflated information from multiple cases and a little bit of fiction to to create that uh, in the movie. Is that right? That's right. And then at the end yeah. of the movie, I don't want to ruin it for people that haven't seen it yet, but at the end of the movie, I worked very closely with that writer, and it is the truest form of love and forgiveness at the end of that movie. The last scene of that movie is such a forgiveness and loving scene, and when people get it and they realize, oh, my gosh, this is pure unconditional love here – it really moves them, and that's why I wanted to leave people off with that movie. It is a great movie. It is a great story. It's based on your book. Yes, yeah, talking to heaven. It is a great one, and, and and you know you you really do impact lives, and there's no question about that. And and I think your message is is a genuine message that, irrespective of where it came from, has just a certifiable value. But yeah. with that said, the skeptics sometimes criticize your work. Oh, sure. So, I mean, I, indeed, true. You, you, you once stated on Larry King's show the following. We psychics are here to help people heal people uh, or help people grow and heal people. Skeptics are just here to destroy people. They're not here to encourage people, to enlighten people. They're here to destroy people. Now, the skeptics find that to be a dodge, not an answer to their position. So my question to you, James, is, does the, these kind of attacks, do they influence you at all? And if so, how? Well, you know, when they made that, that comment, it was just, it was a time where it just seemed like they were just parasites. They were, nothing they were bringing to the table. Even critical thinking wasn't there because, and I respect critical thinking, but they were coming up with um, some notions of something called cold reading and assuming a lot of these things where they never even had the experience. They're never even present. And they still do that. I mean, if they set an audience with me and they see the work being done, it would be incredible for them. I don't think they would want to change their paradigm. And I think that's what it is. I think people don't want to change the paradigm because when you change your paradigm, you have to take a responsibility, which a lot of them are not ready to do. So um, it really does bring, and I knew when I got involved with this work, when Spirit gave me this work to do, that it was going to be a challenge. It's always a challenge to open up people's minds and hearts because people are living, most people live in fear. They don't live in love. So you're really uh, challenging people's belief systems. Anytime you want to challenge people's belief systems or create something new, there's always going to be a conflict. There's always going to be those that are staunch and holding on. And that's part of the work, I think. That really is part of, of my work. And people say, well, does it bother you? And I'm like, a part of it, of course, it does. I'm human. But then I've got to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is, well, at least they're thinking. You know, at least they're thinking, maybe. They're, they're, they're questioning. I think it's good to question things. I think, um, and I think it's very good to be skeptical. I, I don't think it's good to be a cynic, because I think a cynic, their mind is already made up before they even have the experience. But a skeptic yes. is open to possibilities, which I was also very skeptical before I did this work. So a I, I skeptic, I'm fine with, but the cynics are ones I don't have time for, because they make up their mind before, before they even have the experience. That's a very good differentiation, mm. skeptic versus cynic. Mm-hmm. Okay. But and you know what, also, said, Elvin, should, let me just share something with please. your audience, which is yeah. Spirit gave me this recently, which I use at all my workshops. What anyone thinks of me is none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, listen, when you say that, Barbara Walters recently had a go at you on The View. 
and, and I believe you were attempting to help her. So when people respond like that to to your attempt to assist them in some way, does it does it give rise to causing any hesitation before you volunteer to help others? Yes, I, I should not have done that, actually. I was sitting on the couch of the view, and she was right next to me. And when I'm a sensitive, and I'm picking up energy left and right, and I'm seeing these things, and she's like next to me needing help, needing help. Well, I'm a man of service, and I said to her, can I do a reading for you or meet you privately? She goes, yes. And then she grabbed me after, afterwards after the show was over, and she said, read me now, read me now. And so that's what, and I shouldn't have. I just said, no, we'll do it in a proper way. And I, I, I was caught up with, with reading the audience, and I was kind of, kind of a different state of consciousness, if you will, that altered state of consciousness. So I wouldn't have my whole thoughts about me. But um, I did the best I could with it. And I can't, you know, she's ignorant about how uh, reading is done and right. doesn't understand the, 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 the work. I, what can I say, you know? What can I say? Well, technically, I guess, let me just ask you or throw this out. I mean, uh, my impression is you, in a reading, you could see something yes. that for all intent and purposes isn't occurring right this minute. Correct. But could take place tomorrow. Correct. That's uh, right. So because linear time is not relative when you're, when you're dealing with the intuition, as you know this, as, as you know, intuition is psychic work. You're looking at time, which is not linear per se. So it could be the past, present, and future. You get a sense, if you will, a subtle sense that this will be the future. You're not sure exactly when, and I'm only speaking from my own experience. You're not, right. I'm not sure when, but I know it's in the future. But I know when I'm seeing something, like with Barbara, I saw white blood cells. And I knew white blood right. cells means an infection. And I said, there's something wrong with your blood. There's going to be an infection. So you've got to watch your blood. Now, that came about because she had a heart uh, problem that happened a year after that. And I don't know, but I do, I'm just saying that she could have had an infection and there were blood, white blood cell counts went up yeah but, you know but she would never admit that publicly no but i think it's also important that everybody kind of understand how this works and then they can come to their own judgment sure you know? when, when you have that uh -huh. sense of knowingness knowingness is the truth everybody has a sense of knowingness we all know that gut feeling that instinct that intuition when you know something to your core you have to trust it no matter what it is Okay, let's go to your new book. It focuses on the journey of children who have passed from earth to heaven. How is this journey different for children, James, than it is for adults? Very good question. Very good question. Um, I'm, I'm multi-answered here. Um, I, I should really go back to the source of how the book was done because I never expected to write a book like this. But several months before I started the book, I saw spirit children all around me. And I kept on asking my guides, why are these children around me more than usual? And they said, they're helping you write your next book. I said, really? And it was a book intended for parents who have lost children, because I believe that's the number one uh, pain in this earth, the grief that we go through, that people on this earth go through. That experience of losing a child is like none other. So this was a book from children to their parents, and that really to show them that they have not lost them, that they're indeed part of their life still. And the reasons why these things happen, why do they leave early, and what are they doing on the other side, and, and the things that you mentioned earlier. So it's a book written by children, I would say, children's spirits. So the, the children, they're, they're actually telling you the, a story, and that's the story that's in your book. From their perspective, so, that's right. Right. So how do children in heaven communicate with those on earth? I mean, especially like their parents, siblings, pets, sure. and other loved ones. Well, as, as children are, um, of course, very, very open because children have not been on this earth long enough to learn about judgment and get dirty, I say. So they're pretty open. So um, 
a child spirit when they pass over. They're, they're also very open at uh, being closer to their mother or their father, and they're very good at, um, how can I say this, emotional thought transference. They can send loving thoughts, and they can send um, they can appear in the parents' dreams. The number one way they'll appear in the dreams. They will feel them around them. They will hear them in their heads. Uh, they'll be sitting in a car and they'll feel them next to them. Uh, many times kids will put put on the computers and the lights will flicker on and off. Uh, different ways they get through. Um, easier, it seems, than the adults can get through, it seems, because children are so pure, if you will, pure of heart. Is it true, James, that a person who is blocked in grief and despair can actually make it difficult for their children to get through to them? Yes, very, very much so, Eldon. I, I've done um, hundreds of thousands of readings for parents from all different parts of the world. And when there is a, a parent that is so, if you will, obsessed with the grief and just building up those walls, those walls, and they want so desperately to hear from their child, they want so desperately Unfortunately, what that does, it does, it blocks them. It blocks the energy. It's all energy. So when that parent is sitting there thinking, come to me, come to me, come to me, and they come to my workshops, they come to my demonstrations, and I try telling them, please, you need to be neutral. Your mind needs to be open. You cannot control the mind, the thoughts. Let it be open and let your child come through. If you're trying to control that and have them come through, it's not going to work. It's actually shutting down. It's doing the opposite effect than you want. And that's very hard to tell parents. But once they see, by the demonstration, by me demonstrating messages to other people in the room, how it works, then they can begin to be more open and then receive messages. But let's assume a parent uh, is going through this grieving process and, and they can't come see you for some reason. Is there any other kind of, I mean, the unblocking, is it just a matter of really just letting go? Well, it's, it, like you say, it is a process. It is a process. And uh, I remember a lady said to me once, a mother, she said to me that she was very angry because someone said to her, your son has died two years ago. Get over it. And that's very, very wrong because every single person grieves differently and the time that they need is different for each individual soul. For a parent, I would just like to say that there is no such thing as death, that the child is around them, the child's very, very much alive, and the child will be with them. And they just want their parents to know they're okay, they're not dead, they are around them. And for some reason, they had to go over it this time. Perhaps it was to help the parent from the spiritual levels. Um, I have found also that the child um, will very, very much try to, if, if you write a letter to the child, I always tell parents, sit down and write them a letter. And two weeks later, have a letter written from the child to you. Just sit down and write it, and they will come through that way. Um, that happens. That's quite successful. So... And you can talk to them. They hear your thoughts very, very clearly, and they're always around. That's the most, uh, the main thing. You, you write in your book about uh, the guilt that a lot of parents feel. When we come back, uh, we've got a hard break coming up. When we come back, let's pick up there and, and talk about how parents can can relieve them, the, relieve themselves of the guilt and 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 the kind of change that that has in their dynamic, their ability to communicate with children of the past over you're listening to provocative enlightenment on hay house radio we're about to show a film in the chat room featuring james von prague you definitely excuse me you definitely want to catch that it is a wonderful film It's based on a wonderful book growing up in heaven the phone lines are all full we'll take some of your calls when we come back in this next half hour we appreciate you being there and we appreciate your patience 
Uh, we're talking about growing up in heaven. If you're not already in our chat room, that's, again, I'm going to urge you to get there. Catch that video clip. Just go to eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. Stay with us during the break. You won't want to miss what's uh, coming in the next half of this show. We'll be right back after these words from some of our friends. Confusion, deception, manipulation, feeling a bit controlled, lost. Learn how you can take back control of your life through proven techniques in Eldon Taylor's revised edition of Choices and Illusions. This New York Times bestseller is a guidebook to your journey to self-actualization, filled with practical, real-life solutions backed by scientific studies and guaranteed to awaken your inner genie. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner Talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner Talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing growing up in heaven with James Von Prague. But before we get back to today's show, I want to invite you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan of the show, you'll receive special announcements and incentives from time to time as our way of thanking you for your support. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook. And while you're there, uh, you, you, you know, be sure to uh, leave me a note. Tell me what you think about the show. Uh, and if you like our show, please spread the word. We genuinely appreciate your support. You, you, you're a great audience. Once again, thank you for your support. Now, we're honored today to have James Von Prague with us. And before the break, uh, I suggested that when we came back, we were going to talk about the importance of of parents letting go of guilt. So, so James, pick it up from there and, and tell us how important that dynamic is and, and how that may smooth it out, make it more possible for parents to actually communicate with children that have passed over. 
sure. And again, uh, it's not an easy answer because I don't want everyone to think, well, this is the way it is because every individual soul has different lessons they have to learn. And there might be some souls that must learn about guilt, must learn everything about guilt. And so they might have to go through the experience to learn about that. But I will say from my experience, not only with children, but with other spirits as well, with parents and family members, that guilt plays a major part in that the spirit, once they pass over and the child, uh, and the regular spirit there, um, they see the thoughts, if you will. They see the energy and the thoughts that are created by the loved one on the earth. And let's say for a child's uh, experience, and the parent has a lot of guilt, the guilt might be, oh gosh, I could have saved his life. If I didn't give them the car keys, they never would have gotten in the car and they would have been alive. I killed them. And that's a very normal behavior uh, and reaction that I've seen from thousands of parents. And really the truth is, I think it's one step beyond that. I think it's really from the universe. And I think it's the universe in charge, not the parent. But the parent might feel that they are. Um, the way to help them with that is to help them to realize there's a bigger picture at stake here. There's a much, much broader picture, a bigger picture. And we are spirits having a physical experience, not the other way around. And the timing of things is really, I call it divine timing, because it really is the universal divine time. Um, a child's soul might just need the experience of five years, of 15 years, of 20 years, and they go back home. And it might also be uh, this connection, this agreement with all these souls, the parents and the child, before they come back into the incarnation, that the parents have to go through this loss. They have to deal with guilt. They have to deal with regrets. Um, this might be valuable lessons for them that this opportunity, this experience is giving them. Um, when there is a lot of guilt, it seems that the poor child that's passed over is very much um, aware of the person's suffering, of the parent's suffering, unnecessarily. They don't need to. They're fine. And it seems to block them. It blocks them from their own spiritual, the parents' own spiritual evolution. And when you're so held on to that guilt, it kind of puts you in a darkened room, if you will. And it's hard for you to see the light. It's hard for you to make the right choices in life once you're set in that mindset of guilt. So, so children that have crossed over, they may well be trying to help their parents on this side. Oh, very much Not just so. Like, okay. How about the other way around? I mean, you tell a story in your book about... Uh, Gina, the 15-year-old girl who was caught up in the in drug violence and, you know, gang activity. Uh, can parents, or, or, or I mean, what happens to Gina when she goes to heaven, I guess might be the first question, but can parents assist children uh, that have this negative uh, experience? Oh, very, mean? very much so. Um, let, let's just say for, the, for Gina, who passed over uh, drug addiction uh, or even uh, sometimes an overdose, I've had that many ha happen many times with clients where the, a child passes over with an overdose of drugs, addictions, and uh, they immediately, it's very, very interesting because when I bring through the message, I bring through the personality that they just experienced with the parent on earth, and then the personality of the soul of that spirit, which is a little bit different in that they realize that they had to go through the experience of the drug addiction because maybe in a prior lifetime they were they have a whole cycle of addictions and they're trying to break it this lifetime or there was a lesson about self-worth that they had to go through and unfortunately they fell down to drugs or alcohol um and so there are always reasons why those meanings by but i have found as i wrote in this book growing up in heaven when i originally wrote the book i really did think it was children talking to their parents but as the book progressed, it really was about soul-to-soul -soul connection and soul families and soul groups 
and their agreement with each other and what lessons they're going to learn this time around or what lessons they're going to learn uh, in the future or what they've learned from the past. That was the most important thing I found. So then, and and I want to get to our phone calls and and callers, please. No readings today, but we'd love to take your questions. Uh, But do, I mean, I guess in my mind, when children get to the other side, I have always thought that, you know, you were grown up, whatever that might mean. Uh, We're always, you know, you you think of the older people when they pass over and, and you think, uh, they're portrayed as being in their prime or they're yeah. portrayed as being in a very healthy place. So I've never thought about children as continuing to be children. Do they do they grow uh, up in heaven? Yes. What happens is, and, and remember, Eldon, this is very important for everyone to realize, that we are looking at this from this three-dimensional world, from our physical laws. So, you know, when we try to apply physical laws to another dimension, it's a little hard because, again, we're looking at it with these rose-colored glasses. So that be as it may... Spirits have said to me that, yes, as children, they will grow up as babies. Babies will grow up. Uh, Children grow up to adults. Um, They go to schools over there. They will uh, innately learn about the gifts that they have within their soul to develop that even further. Um, They Over there, they're able to take classes in many different types of things, even in subjects we don't even have here on this earth. Um, And they talk about how now they'll be of service in many respects. I have found many children have passed over. Let's say they died of a drug overdose. They will help addicts on the earth. They'll come back and be one of their guides and help to influence them positively with choices that they make. So there are all different reasons, service uh, jobs that they do over there. They go to schools over there. They live a very, very full life over there. And then you have to remember, they are souls. They are souls first and foremost. And they're more than just this recent personality that just lived on this, this earth. They're much, much more than that. This, this personality is just one of many that that soul has. Okay, James, is there, I mean, do they reincarnate at some point? Yes, yes, there is. I do believe very much in reincarnation, and I do believe that we as souls, and what is reincarnation, really just to gain learning and experience in different places. You can you can reincarnate or come back to this earth. You can go to other solar systems, other planets, other forms of life. And it seems that um, uh, the soul can be in several places at once. So, so well, yes. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say that it. some people thinking about this should not think of it as in linear terms. Because right, like right now, as I'm talking to you and the people listening, we're existing on this physical level. This is the densest part of our being. But we actually live on many different levels. We, as a soul, have many different bodies and, aware- and levels. We're only aware of the densest part of ourselves, which is a physical self. But we are right now alive on many other levels. We're just not aware of it. I believe so, the same so reincarnation. Poss- we could be in several places at once and not realize it. Okay, so is it possible to grow up in heaven and also grow up on earth at the same time? Yes. What happens is it is possible to grow in spirit. In the spirit world, we do grow through our services, through work with other people. We grow spiritually. We evolve. It seems, though, that we can evolve quicker, faster on this earth. Because this earth is made up of people of all different levels, all different uh, spiritual awareness, very evolved people, very unevolved souls. And because we have that dynamic, it sets up various experiences and lets our souls have these experiences, these rich experiences, in order to grow and understand. So it seems we can grow quicker over here on this side. 
uh, than we could on the spirit world because we see people for who they truly are in the spirit world. So it's not, we're not as challenged as much, if you will. Um, so, you, yeah. No, I was just going to say it's such a rare opportunity to be able to just question you like this that I could dominate all and, your time. And, and, well, that I would sort of not too, be well, fair. I would say also that the quickest way we can evolve is through the energy of love. Love is the fastest and most quickest way to grow, whether here or in spirit. Love is the energy, the force. All right, let's uh, let's take get some of our callers in our chat room in, involved here. I got a tough one for you. Thomas oh, out of the Thomas. chat room says, I can't find the movie anywhere, and I want to purchase it. Would you please ask James where I can get it? Yes, um, she can get it. Everybody can go to my website, which is vanprog.com, and I have a store page. And on that store page, we have the movie for sale, and we have all my books there and all my CDs. So vanprog.com store page. Okay. Uh, let's take a phone call. Let's, uh, again, for all of you that are calling, no readings today, please, but we'd love to uh, have your questions. So let's go to Gabby in Tucson, Arizona on line five. Gabby, you have a question for Mr. Van Prague. Ah, uh, yes, I have a quick question. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Jane. Hi, Gabby. How are you? Oh, good. good. Um, I had a little incident at my parents' house about a almost about a week ago. I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm also noticing like a couple of things around my home, like black. I don't know if it's images or I don't know what okay. it is. So I'm just asking. Okay, so there's a book I wrote called Ghosts Among Us, which talks about how you cleanse a house, how you clean a house. Okay. And what it is, Gabby, is it could be leftover energy. It could be someone else's energy. It could be a spirit energy. It could be a low vibrational energy, uh, earthbound, meaning earthbound spirit. So what you do is that you need to change the atmosphere in the room or the house. Okay. And you can do it with various ways, um, through meditation, through playing um, high vibrational music, some ceremonial type of work. Um, you could do sage, of course. So there, there's different ways you can do that. Um, and again, bringing love into that atmosphere is great. Uh, meditation, bringing that beautiful golden light through the house is another way. Um, so these are all various ways. And I talk about it in Ghosts Among Us extensively. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll go ahead and read that. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, sweetheart. Thank you. Thanks for your okay. phone call, Gabby. Thank you. All right. Out of the chat room, uh, Gabe says, uh, a long time ago, I saw a man die in an accident. I usually meditate, and lately I have been picking up some things that I suspect are this man's thoughts and energy. What can I tell him, and how? Well, I, I assume the man has passed over. Is that correct? Yes, yes. yes. He, so, he died in an automobile accident. Ah, so number one, I would tell this person that, number one, they need to ground themselves and center themselves. So when they get receiving this information from that spirit, they know exactly who is giving them this information. Who is the source? Where is it coming from? And it's not guesswork. You'll know exactly who it is. I would also take a journal. I would take a pen and a piece of paper and write down exactly what this spirit comes through with, the thoughts that come through. The best way to really... Uh, get more information through, is through meditation, is quieting the mind, and ask them to come through at a specific time, if you will, and, and train yourself at that particular time, that's when I'll receive the messages. That's my suggestion. All right. Let's go to line six and talk to Jill from Santa Fe. Jill Hello. from Santa Fe. Hi, you're on the air. You have a question? I do. Um, I don't know why it is 
first of all, hi. Hi, Jill. <laughs> Great to talk to you. And you too. I don't know why it's taken me so long to figure this out, but I really want to help children uh-huh. who've crossed over to bring messages to their loved ones. Uh-huh. And I think I've been killed for it many lifetimes for my probably, ability. Probably. Is there any way to get rid of the, those fears and blocks that have brought me this lifetime? Sure, sure, else? sure. Um, okay. um, you know, I, on my website, I do have a CD about intuition and um, how to empower your intuition, uh, empowering your intuition, getting in touch with yourself through meditation. Really, meditation is the key. Meditation okay. is the key to go into the inner world, your true self, your soul self, if you will, okay. and to really get to the core of your being. It seems that fears and limitations are on the outside, yeah, on the outside, and they're very much of this physical world. And and it could also be other people's thoughts that are on you. Understand? Right. It could be other people's thoughts because thoughts are like bullets. They go right. right to the target. So when someone's thinking something negative of you, it'll go right to you. That's right. what thoughts do. So yeah. you have to get to a place of, like I just said in the other call, centeredness and groundedness and learn how to meditate, learn what's coming from your own stuff, your own source of power, and what's not real, you know, what's illusionary. Great. Okay? Okay, thanks so You're much. You're very welcome. Okay, thanks for the care. call, Jill. Okay, bye-bye. All right, just bouncing back and forth. We'll go to the chat room. I love that. The chat room. Kay says, I have a question. A couple of months before my husband died, I had the feeling like someone was trying to tell me something. I experienced low whispering in my ears but could not understand what was being said. The closer it got to his time of death, the louder the whispers got. But I still could not understand anything. I felt like I was being told something but could not hear it clearly. Is there any way to enhance my ability to hear the other side? Again, the same response. Go to my store page to get the intuition. Uh, download that lesson. It's it's great. It's 10 lessons, and you can take it whenever you want. Um, that might be that's the best way to do it. A lot of people respond extremely well to this lesson I put together about their intuition and empowerment. And, I mean, I have emails and emails from people who had experiences who have really um, – uh, started to open up to the spirit whispers, if you will, those subtle, subtle messages and be able to hear them. It, it also, Eldon, I should say, it is a process. It is a process. It is not something that you take a pill and also know you can hear spirit voices. It is a process, and it is also a patience. It's patience, and it's meditation, and it's doing it for the right reason. Are you going to be a vehicle for spirit to help with the spirit world, to bring through messages of a high order? What is the reason? What's the reason why you're doing this work? So someone who's interested needs to ask themselves that question. It shouldn't be just for the, the heck of it, and just, a, just a fun thing to do and a curiosity seeker. It is really of service if they want to really do this. Not Ouija board time for sure. Oh, good. We love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to line 7D out of Syracuse, New York. Has a question for you. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, D. Hi, Eldon. Hi, James. Thank Hi, you for Dee. taking my call. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, so um, my question, and I, and I did type in the chat room, too. Uh, my question one was kind of twofold. Um, I had a really wonderful dream and vision um, from my dad in the past 10 years ago. Great. And um, and um, it seemed that he had a really clear message for me at the end, and I know he's always around me. And like the summer when I went to put flowers on his grave, there was actually a beautiful fresh rose along the roadside just uh-huh. for me as I entered into the cemetery. My other second question was that um, maybe about 38 years ago, um, I, I lost a baby boy in about six months gestation. He lived less less than a day. Mm-hmm. And my question is, how old would he be? Because I know he's up in heaven and he's growing. I know he's still so alive. how old would he be if he was alive? 
on the physical but, earth. But he would be probably about 38. Right. So he'd be, he'd be around that age now in the prime of his life. Oh, okay. Prime of his wow. life. Um, the other thing about the first part where you asked about your dad, um, mm-hmm. you have to understand spirit will get through to you as many ways they possibly can. And yeah. the dream state uh, is the number one way they will communicate with us is the dream state. And for anybody else Steve, that's listening who want to contact their spirit friends and family, before you go to sleep at night or as you're going to sleep, you can ask them to please appear in your dreams. Please appear in the dreams. And they might not do it that night, but the next couple of weeks or months they will definitely do that. I, I tell people that, you know, we, we do leave our bodies at night we go to sleep because we are spirits and we as spirits will leave the body usually out of the crown chakra and we will travel for miles and miles and miles into the spiritual realms or the astral yeah. world and we'll see our loved ones and we'll see our guides and teachers yeah. and sometimes we remember with a conscious mind and sometimes most of the time we don't but that does happen every time we go to sleep so you'll always see your loved ones and they'll always try to get through to you um in different ways you mentioned the rose um, yes. They do things with songs. They do things with signs. I was just in Israel, and my father came through. This man came over to me. He didn't know who I was. There were thousands of people. He came over to me, and he said, is, excuse me, is that St. Francis right there? And there's a statue. I said, yes, I think it is. And he said, where are you from? And I said, California. Where are you from? And he said, Maine. And I looked at his name tag, and it said <laughs> Alan Lewis, and that was my father's name with the uh-huh. exact spelling. So they come through in all different ways, in all different yeah. ways they come through. So yeah. just be open to it. Yes. Yeah. Very okay. much so, very much so. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you for your call, D. All right, Kevin from our chat room asks, uh, well, let's see, I'm going to just read this. Uh, can you ask James why some people like myself have since a very, very young age feel homesick for home, universe, in quotes? It has been a lifelong longing for me. It is like I came back very quickly from a past life or something like that. Yes, uh, many, many times souls will, you know, when we first pass over, one of the first things that happens to us is we have a life review, and we see all the good, the bad, the indifferent things that we just accomplished in the life. Many times the soul feels like, oh, if I only had a chance to come back, I would do it right the next time, or I'd do it right the next time. And there are times that a soul will come back, and if I can say it this way, that people understand it, before their time. They rush it. They rush it. And things feel out of kilter. They don't feel like they're part of the timing here. Things feel a little bit off. So many of us do that. Um, the, again, the best way, again, is to once again ground yourself, center yourself, learn who you are. Um, that, that will help you. And by having awareness, knowledge, and wisdom of the spiritual levels, of the spiritual world, of just the spirit, spirituality, it does help one. I also should say that many people have a sense of uh, feeling foreign on this earth. I, I know I do. I'm sure, Eldon, you do. And, and I think it's because we realize on some level that this is not our natural place. This earth is really a schoolroom. This is not our natural state of being. Our natural state is in the spiritual realms. So I think on some level we pick up that. That's what I think that is. Okay. Uh, let's then, let's take a phone call from Margaret on line eight out of Portsmouth, Virginia. Margaret, you're on the air with James Von Prague. Do you have a question? Yes, I do. I would like to know when adults cross over, do they ever come back as babies in the same family? Oh, uh, very much so. Yes, yes, they will. There'll be an aspect of that soul, okay? So just think of that. Let's say it's, it's a pie, okay? And there's a different slices of the pie. And that adult that just passed over is one slice of that pie. But another part of that, another slice can come back as a baby, but it's still part of that pie. Do you understand? So it's a, an aspect of that soul group, that soul being. It's an aspect of that same soul. So many times they'll have the same personality. They'll have the same appearance, physical traits. So that does happen. Hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling, Margaret. 
Thank you. My turn. I, you know, your office sent me over some questions for me to ask. Oh, and then they? I look okay. through these questions, you know, and, and that's nice. I I'm mean, sure I, I really wrote, like that. Yes. But as I look down these questions, there's one that really intrigued me. And so I've got to ask that. Have you ever done a reading about children that rendered you speechless? Yes. Yes, yes, well, yes. Uh, come on, you can't leave it in. Yes. <laughs> you have you to know, flesh I, that out. I, I've done many, actually. I've done uh, two I'll talk about, but there's so many. I mean, it's hard to remember them all. But two that stick out that I remember was um, one where I was doing it. It's called a spirit circle. I do them once a month in Laguna Beach. About 100 people. I get very intimate. And um, I remember there was a young spirit boy, and he was behind his father. And the father was in the first row. And the father was wearing a leather jacket, leather pants, leather hat. He was a motorcycle guy, and he was drinking a drink, like an alcohol drink. And I said, I looked over to him, and I saw the son. The son said, please help my father. He's become an alcoholic. I said, okay, okay. So I went to him and said, sir, sir. And I was joking around with the guy. I said, you're drinking at my event? I'm making a big joke about it because he was very nervous. So I, 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 I eased up the tension, and I said, your son Mike is here. And this man was very new to this whole thing. He started shaking his head. He said, his head doesn't hurt anymore. The man flipped out, flipped out. He said he died from a parachute. You know, the parachute didn't go off and he dropped out of a plane. And I said, he wants me to tell you he's with you. And he wants, you to, he wants to save your life from drinking. You no longer need to escape. You no longer drink. He's with you. And he moved the statue on the side of the bedstand. And the guy started crying even more and more and more. And he said, it moved last night at 3 o'clock in the morning. I have a statue of a little boy. And it moved. And then the thing that really got me, um, the son said, Mike said, Daddy, I want to thank you for putting a tattoo on your body about me. And the father, totally freaked out, pulls up his jacket, pulls up his shirt, and in big gothic letters it says, To my beloved son, Mike. His whole friend was wow. And I was freaking out. I was totally freaking out with that because it was just an amazing experience to experience that right away. And then it, as I was like, wow, wow, a little girl in the back row raised her hand. And she said, Mr. Van Prague, I was here last month with my parents, and my 20-year-old sister came through. And um, she said that Grandpa wanted, us, wanted to tell Grandma, it's okay, it's okay, she can go home now. And then her father stood up and said, yes, Mr. Van Prague, we went home and told my mother that, you know, my dad is waiting for it, it's okay to go. She died 10 minutes later. <laughs> so, and what do you say to those people? Oh, wow, I'm sorry, or oh, wow, or you know, you, how can you react? But those are yeah. just pretty. You just stand there with you know your jaw open. Well, we're out of time. My jaw's open. I'll tell you that. <laughs> the book we've been talking about is Growing Up in Heaven. The author is, of course, James Van Prague. Uh, he's giving you the website. Give it one more time, yes, please. Yes, it's uh, vanprog.com, and uh, we have a chat room there as well. And we have a Facebook also. I'd love to have some Facebook friends too. All right. Well, that's great. We've come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank you all for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed our show. If you have comments on the show, do let us know. Until next time, remember, believing in yourself always matters. <laughs>